is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackleton. It is Tuesday, December 1st. Man, it's freaking December. And that's a good thing because 2020 can't end fast enough. Uh, we have, because it is 2020, a rare waiver wire show where the week is not over yet. <laughs> and waivers aren't going to run on most fantasy platforms until, what, Thursday night? Since there is no Thursday night football game. But you know what? I'm just going to do the content as usual this week. Not going to change it up because of everything with a Wednesday football game, of course, at 340 Eastern. Because why not? So anyway, we're going to break down waivers for you on the show today. A lot of moving parts. So I'll set you up for your waiver run. You can always just listen back to it uh, a day or two from now if you don't want to listen to it right now. The advice is pretty much not going to change Uh, up to that point. So before I get into that, let me tell you about our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Well, you need to go check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That, of course, is because on monkeyknifefight.com, there's no salary caps. You don't have to play against sharks. And that really means anyone has a chance of winning, even you. MonkeyNightFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, eSports, and of course, football. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. And you know what else? MonkeyNightFight.com has a free $5 game for you just for signing up. And if you use the promo code RANT, you'll have your first deposit matched instantly up to $50. With a name like MonkeyNightFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at monkeyknifefight.com. Play to MKF and win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. And, of course, use that promo code RANT. That helps me out. It helps you out. It helps them out. It's a good thing. Okay, so here's the deal. Obviously, waiver's not processing tonight, but we can at least get out ahead of this thing and set ourselves up for the waiver claims that we want to make. Remember, I cast a wide net. I know some people are like, hey, these guys aren't available in my league. Okay, well, if they're not available in your league, that's fine and Danny, but it also gives us an opportunity to talk about the players as well. Uh, so at the top of my list, if they are out there, J.K. Dobbins and Wayne Gallman are the top two. I would go 40% on Dobbins. I would go 35% on Gallman. And this is not even knowing what happens with Dobbins because it looks like he will be back on the field tomorrow. He's out there in 41% of leagues, and Wayne Gallman is out there in 50% of leagues. So chances are maybe one of those guys got looked, you know, overlooked, possibly dropped. You just never know what's going to happen. So I've learned over the many years that people, you know, people will come to me and they'll say names that I didn't think were out there. So that's why I always use the 75% number as my threshold. I realize they may not be out there, but if they are, they should be owned. They should be owned in every league. They should be owned well over 75% right now. So I wanted to toss those guys out at the top before I break down by position because really they need to be owned across the board. And I know that sometimes in casual leagues or, you know, not even like extremely casual, but, you know, leagues that don't cost that much to enter, you may have some people who aren't. Uh, that well versed in fantasy, you know, somewhat new to it. Sometimes these guys do hang out on the waiver wire, so just don't let that happen. Uh, those guys should absolutely be owned. So let's go by position. Let's start a quarterback. It's not a great week at quarterback, but really the top name on on my list is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I did note it yesterday on the podcast. Fitzpatrick makes that team look a lot 
better on the offense than Tua. Tua is very efficient. Don't get me wrong. And I, I'm not going to write the book on Tua Tungavailoa after only a couple starts. But right now, Fitzpatrick, more explosive, makes uh, Devontae Parker look better, makes Mike Gesicki look better. So I'm going 5% on him. And he faces the Bengals this week if Tua is not able to get back. And I don't expect Tua back. Kirk Cousins also going 5%. I know, you know, we can't expect 45 passing attempts every single week. But it is against the Jaguars, and this is a team that actually really has some fight in them, so they may be able to push Minnesota a little bit, possibly forcing him to to throw a little bit more. It's a nice matchup against the Jags uh, this week. Outside of those guys, I would say really you're kind of limited. Two quarterback leagues, Mitchell Trubisky does deserve to be picked up. He's not a great football option, but there's upside with Trubisky. So he should be on rosters. Mike Glennon did he did enough to keep the job, didn't he? I mean, basically he's going to be the starter this week. Two quarterback leagues, he should be added. Same thing with Colt McCoy. Daniel Jones isn't going to be back anytime soon. Uh, moving over to running back, Latavius Murray, twenty percent. I've talked about Latavius Murray every single week. And this is why I mentioned the handcuffing thing. I know this kind of ticks some people off, but I don't like handcuffing in fantasy drafts. You know what I typically find? I draft my running backs earlier than the handcuffs go, you know, in a lot of instances. Like maybe this year if you drafted Dalvin Cook and you drafted Alexander Madison in what, like the eighth or ninth round, I could see that. But a lot of times I'm drafting them before then, so I'm not even really looking in handcuff range. And I don't find it a priority strategy to handcuff because invariably, what I see year in and year out is one of two things. Either the team who drafts the handcuff cuts the handcuff by like week four because they get fed up because the starter isn't getting hurt and they just cut the handcuff loose. Or you have a scenario where the team holds on to the handcuff the entire year and they're frust- they get frustrated because... The guy doesn't get hurt. The starter doesn't get hurt. And they basically wasted their bench spot. I know it's an insurance policy. I'm willing to look elsewhere early in the year. But I do love handcuffing as we get later into the season. And when you look at somebody like Latavius Murray, who was widely drafted in, what, the 11th round, roughly? 10th round? I don't have the ADP in front of me, but he was widely drafted. He was drafted in most leagues. For him to be available in well over half of leagues right now says that the first thing I mentioned is the likely thing that happened. People got fed up. They they cut him loose when Camaro was going off earlier in the year. There's no other way around it, right? This happens. I'm not just making this stuff up in my head. So anyway, that's sort of the background there to the handcuffing advice. I, I do like handcuffing. I like it in November, and you don't necessarily have to go after all handcuffs of guys you own you can go after handcuffs of guys you don't own Latavius Murray too also has premium handcuff value because this is now a committee and my observation in this game I watched it back yesterday and boy was that fun (laughs) the Denver offense I mean hats off but anyway what I'm seeing is pretty simple with Taysom Hill on the field 
Latavius Murray is the better running back for the New Orleans Saints. And I know that's not what you want to hear if you have Alvin Kamara. Heck, I have Alvin Kamara in a league, and it's not what I want to hear, but Latavius Murray is the better back. It's going to be a full-blown committee. They are not going to all of a sudden say, okay, Latavius, you're just going to play 10 snaps this week. It's going to be about a 50-50 timeshare. Latavius Murray is going to get carries out of the backfield. And with the one-two punch of him and Taysom Hill, the north-south back is the better back for the, the 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 scheme, essentially, that they're running. So as long as Taysom Hill's under center, Latavius Murray is a sneaky flex plus and maybe even an RB2. We could be looking at one of those situations. 20% on him. Uh, go 18% on Devontae Booker. As of me recording this podcast, I don't see anything other than there's a chance Jacobs can get back on the field this week. If he doesn't, Booker could be an RB1 against the Jets. Giddy up. Alexander Madison, 15%. I don't, I'm not seeing anything on Dalvin Cook just yet. I don't think the injury is serious, but you never know. Regardless, the fact that he did get banged up is a nice reminder that Alexander Madison should be owned across the board. Now, I haven't mentioned this name yet, and this is a top name for a lot of people, but I don't think it is the top name on the board this week, and that's Cam Akers. 12% on him. People are probably going to spend more. I don't know if I want to spend more, and I'll tell you exactly why. Last week, 25 snaps for Malcolm Brown, 20 for Daryl Henderson, 17 for Cam Akers. So in other words, in a three-headed monster of a committee, he is still the number three back. Now, that could change this week, and I could end up looking foolish, and you could go back and you say old takes exposed and all that fun stuff, and that's fine and dandy, but we've observed this. This isn't the first time that Cam Akers has looked really good in that backfield, and yet the snap distribution really hasn't changed. It's not like Dobbins in Baltimore, where all of a sudden now Dobbins looks like he is the clear lead back. We haven't gotten that yet with Cam Akers, so don't just box score scout the fantasy points and roll from there. I'll go 12% on Jamal Williams. It's a full-blown committee in the Packers' backfield. 17 carries for Williams, 17 for Aaron Jones. He's got some flex value down the stretch, and he's playing pretty good football, actually. Benny Snell, 10%. We'll see what happens with James Conner and the COVID list. Snell will be the option tomorrow, but that's not really what we're talking about. This is more for the waiver run into Week 13. But the thing about Snell is he does have flex appeal. So 10% on him, 10% on Tony Pollard. He's looked explosive, and Zeke continues to fumble the football. Uh, So you got a little handcuff value, maybe a little bit more there as well. 10% on James White. He's not going to score two rushing scores every game, but he's going to touch the ball a lot with Rex Burkhead out. I'll go 8% on Le'Veon Bell. Handcuff really more so than anything, but if Clyde Edwards-Alaire went down, Le'Veon Bell's an RB2+. Ito Smith and Brian Hill, both 7%. If Hill was passed up last week, I do think they both need to be owned. I don't think that there's anything that indicates that Ito Smith is is definitely the lead back because that was really a committee. I mean, he he's the guy who's going to be used more in the passing game. For sure, I'll give you that. But I don't know if necessarily he's going to outcarry Brian Hill week in and week out if Todd Gurley does miss any time. So just 7% on each of those guys. 7% on Jordan Wilkins. The game script wasn't right for him this last week, but in a favorable game script, I'm I'm confident he would have led the backfield in carries, maybe not in touches, but carries for sure. And Jonathan Taylor, of course, is on the reserve COVID list right now. Frank Gore, 5%. He is boring, but sometimes you may just need boring. Jeff Wilson Jr., 5%. Actually only played four fewer snaps than Raheem Mostert this past week, so uh, Wilson needs to be owned, no doubt about it. Uh, in that backfield. And really, I don't think McKinnon does at this point. 
Boston Scott, three percent. He's kind of emerged here, and we saw it in Monday Night Football. He is the passing down back now, not Miles Sanders. He out targeted him five to three and looked better than Miles Sanders in the passing game. Uh, beyond him, Royce Freeman, three percent. Philip Lindsay could miss some time here, so Freeman would slide up into handcuff territory. He'd sort of be a very sneaky deep add. Uh, if if your waiver wire is picked over. Moving over to wide receiver, he may not be out there in your leagues, and he maybe is in J.K. Dobbins, Wayne Gallman territory, but Debo Samuel, he's available in 40% of leagues. Brandon Ayuk will be back this week, but man, Samuel was so much fun to watch this past week, and he's going to continue to be a, a factor here down the stretch. Surprisingly, Michael Pittman Jr. only rostered in 38% of leagues, and I think he may get a little overlooked this week. I'd go as high as 20% on him, though. He out-targeted T.Y. Hilton. He is the clear top receiver in Indianapolis. Uh, Moving on beyond those guys, it's a little thin, but Corey Davis at 12%. He's out there in half of leagues. Playing good football can be a top 40 option down the stretch. Kiki QT. Okay, so the big news, and I finally can get to talk to talk about it now. Will Fuller suspended for six games. That's the remainder of this season, plus one game into next year for whoever he plays for. I don't know if it'll be Houston. I really don't know. I actually kind of doubt it, but we'll see. Either way, a couple weeks ago, Houston was starting Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, and Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb's on injured reserve. Their number four receiver was Kenny Stills. He's no longer on the roster. So now it is Brandon Cooks, Kiki QT, and Isaiah Coulter. Wow, that changed pretty quickly. Alan Lazard, 10%. Uh, he's a wide receiver four. He's not going to get uh, the lion's share of the targets, especially with Robert Tunyon playing good football, but he is worth rostering. Same thing with Brashad Perryman. 10%, and I'll actually go 7% on Denzel Mims in that wide receiver group. They're both being targeted downfield. The, the, the offense is a mess. It is, but I, there's still some value to those guys. Uh, this is the time of year where we really want to trim all that fat from our rosters as we're heading into the fantasy football playoffs, hopefully. Uh, beyond those guys, it's pretty thin, as I mentioned. Uh, I think Colin Johnson's worth a look, the rookie. Played really good football this past week, so I go 2% on him. And then Isaiah Coulter, who I just mentioned. I don't know how much he actually plays. I expect a lot of 12 personnel out of the Texans, so that two tight end sets would actually keep him off the field. But there's at least some appeal. Like I said, if your waiver wire is picked over, you're in like a 16-teamer or something like that, I'd go 1% on Isaiah Coulter. Tight end stinks this week, but Robert Tunyon is out there in over half a league. So like that's, that's kind of surprising, especially after how widely he was picked up after that three-touchdown game. But he was correspondingly seemingly dropped here. He's the number four fantasy tight end on the season, scoring touchdowns in back-to-back games for Robert Tunyon. Uh, Zach Ertz is fairly widely available if he's not out there in your league. 38% of leagues. I suspect a lot of those leagues don't have IR spots, so people probably moved on from him. If you have him available, I think he's a sneaky add. The Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers are were terrible. It wasn't just Carson Wentz. I know a lot of the blame is going to Carson Wentz. Their receivers were terrible in that game. Their best receiver was Dallas Goddard, who was just fine. Dallas Goddard's playing good football. But if you get Ertz back, you could have your top two receivers essentially being Ertz and Goddard and running a whole buttload, that's a technical term, of uh, 12 personnel. And Zach Ertz could be a factor down the stretch for fantasy purposes. Only two other tight ends this week. Mike Gesicki, 4%. He's good as long as Fitzpatrick's on the field. So 
I go 4% on him. I go 4% on Trey Burton. Six targets last week. He's really the best receiving option out of those indie tight ends, that trio of tight ends. Don't have a lot of players to hold. I think by this point, the overreacting is kind of gone when we reach week 12, week 13. But uh, Giovanni Bernard, if you're at least panicky about that at all, I would hold on to him. And then Brian Hill, since I recommended him, I think he's worth at least one more look this week to see how they use him. But Giovanni Bernard's just trend down to like a, a flex option as opposed to an RB2 option. In terms of cut list, I mean, you're obviously cutting Will Fuller. You're cutting Jared Goff. Um, are, is, is he going to be a replace as the starter? I mean, that's kind of the territory we are there in Los Angeles. Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones is vastly outplaying him. So Fournette, he gone. Uh, Darius Slayton. He gone. I, I, he actually did play this week. <laughs> you may not have noticed that, but it, he's in a tailspin, especially with Daniel Jones banged up. Somebody had asked me on Twitter, one of our loyal Rat Pack listeners, about uh, Travis Fulgham. I already said he he's been gone. <laughs> he gone like two weeks ago. Carson Wentz was gone like two weeks ago. So there you go. Here's your streamers. I like this week for streamers. Maybe not my favorite, but I I always love it. You know. When the, the good matchups go to teams who are likely to be on waivers as opposed to like when all the stud defenses get the good matchups. It's like, come on. So here you go. Green Bay. They face Philly. I don't think I have to say anything more. I really don't. <laughs> Green Bay. Stream them. Kansas City. Next up for them is the Broncos. Now they will have a quarterback under center because all three of the other quarterbacks, not Jeff Driscoll because he, he actually tested positive for COVID-19, but all the contact uh, close contact guys, they are in the clear now. They're able to return. So Drew Locke will be back under center, and that's pretty good for Kansas City, especially in a game where I expect the Chiefs to get out to a lead. Could be a lot of Drew Locke passes, which could be very good uh, for this uh, Chiefs defense. Seattle, Colt McCoy, don't think I have to say anything more there, uh, but uh, Seattle is actually playing pretty good football on the defensive side of the ball. Granted, they played the Eagles this past week, but they look better Carlos Dunlap, able to get after the passer, really helps the cause. And then the Raiders. I don't love their defense, but they get to face the Jets. They're the number one fantasy matchup for defenses. Sometimes you just don't overthink it and just play the matchup. You know, that's all you can do. All right, so there you go. Uh, Whenever your waivers run, (laughs) there you go. Tomorrow, I am going to try and record the podcast before the game. It'll, you know, I usually record podcasts in the afternoon on the East Coast. So I'm going to re- record the rankings podcast a little early. I have never done rankings before a week has ended before. So uncharted territory here with a game at 3.40 Eastern tomorrow. And I do actually think it finally happens. So yay. <laughs> there you go. Wednesday football. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? But anyway, we'll do that tomorrow. Uh, In the meantime, do me a favor. Go check out FTNFantasy.com, FTNBets.com, FTNDaily.com for all we have to offer. There's a lot of free stuff on the sites, too. It's not just like, oh, go there. Here's a paywall. No, we have some free stuff. Uh, The prop shop, if you like to do player prop bets or any sort of prop bets, uh, football-related, you got that. Uh, if you want to check out some of our free tools, I mean, the air yards tool is free. The red zone report tool is free. So those are really good resources there that you can check out at our sites. Also keep the, the contest is still going. So keep the entries coming here for the celebration here. I'm going to give out some rat pack rant swag, uh, to the, the best tweet that promotes the show on social media, 
Uh, doesn't matter how you go about it. You can be positive. You can be negative. You can do anything in between. The most creative tweet wins. And you just have to tag hashtag the rant, hashtag Rat Pack, and put me in there as well. And you have to link off to the podcast. I know it's a lot of steps, but it's really not that bad. A bunch of people have figured it out. You can too. So if you want some free stuff, I don't mind free, then that's how you go about doing it. Closes on Friday. We'll announce the winner next week. All right. So if you want to say uh, Jeff Ratcliffe is trash, <laughs> that's why I listen to the rant. Now I'm going to get a whole bunch of these. Uh, then do it. If you want to say that it's great, I mean, hey, whatever. It's your it's your opinion. <laughs> whatever works, man. Whatever works. So, uh, so far, the entries have been very entertaining. So keep those coming in. If you haven't reviewed the show on Apple already, uh, super easy to do. If you have an iPhone, open up the Apple Podcast app. Go to my podcast, The Rant. Scroll to the bottom, click the stars, and you're done. You can also do it on the web if you don't uh, if you don't have a iPhone. Ah, iPhone and iPhone, whatever. Who cares? At Jeff Rackliff on Twitter, at Jeff Rackliff on Instagram. Hashtag Rat Pack. That way, I know you're a listener of the show. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the Pod. I'm Jeff Rackliff, and I'm out of here.